Hello and welcome to our Sunday morning service and to this Mother's Day. We praise the Lord that we can meet together by video and we do miss so much being able to be in our auditorium in person. We missed Easter, the first time we've ever missed Easter being in an auditorium and now the first time we've missed uh, Mother's Day. We look forward to the time that we can be meeting back in our auditorium, which I hope to be very soon. But for now, we still want to honor our mothers today. I'm not going to ask you mothers to stand where you are, but I would like to ask for all of the children, if you would, and join with your, your dads, uh, to honor your mom where she is. Just give her a hand of applause right now and turn and say, thank you, mom, for all that you do for us. So often a mom goes unappreciated, and we want to appreciate you and recognize you, especially on this day. Uh, I heard of one mom that talked about um, how difficult it is sometimes to be a mom and all the things that are expected of you and, and knowing how to do those things. And, and she said, uh, and you probably have heard this before, says, before I was married, I had three theories about raising children. Now I have three children and no theories. <laughs> I can appreciate that and understand. Also, all of our children are different, every one of them. And you may raise your children exactly the same and have them turn out differently. We all experience that. But it is a full-time job to be a mother, and it is one that is so unappreciated for so often we take it for granted. But today we want to honor you, and we want to thank you uh, for your faithfulness as being a mom. Uh, all of our moms, uh, we could uh, have stand, but we cannot uh, in person today. But please know that we thank each one of you uh, for your services, and we all honor you and want to give an applause to you today. There's some specific moms we would like to honor like we normally do. We can't do it like we normally do as far as having them stand in our presence. But we took the categories that we uh, normally use, and we tried to figure out which uh, women in our mothers in our uh, auditorium in our church would qualify for these particular uh, categories. And I think that we've done a pretty good job with it. I apologize in advance if we have missed someone or misjudged uh, in a particular category. But here they are, and we have a plant for each one of them that will be delivered to their house. So first of all, we'll go with our oldest mom. That's certainly the easiest uh, Ms. Irene Marshall is a sure fit for that at the age of 98. And we appreciate your faithfulness, Ms. Marshall, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to recognize you in this particular category today. Congratulations, and you'll have a plant uh, sent your way, delivered. Also, the youngest mom we felt like would be at 27, Brittany Breedemeyer, and uh, congratulations to you as well. We'll have a plant delivered for you there. And then um, our newest mom uh, is a hands down, no no questions asked about this one. And that's Ruth Jenna Wheat, uh, three weeks, uh, just over three weeks old is her little one. And we praise the Lord that they're doing fine. So congratulations there, Ruth Jenna. You have that coming your way. Uh, the one with the most children uh, includes uh, stepchildren as, as well as adopted children and biological uh, that would go, I believe, to Tony Stevens with, I believe it is 10 that she has uh, all together. And we praise the Lord for that. So congratulations, Tony. And we've got a plant for you that will be delivered. And then came the one with the most children present. Well, we're not present today. 
but we are trying to still stay as normal as we can with this category. So we uh, anticipated who would have been the one that probably would have had their children there and uh, would have counted. We felt like five would have been that record with Jennifer Stewart. So Jennifer, congratulations to you. We've got a plant for you as well. And that takes care of that category. We want to say again, thank you, and we appreciate every one of you as mothers today. And we uh, ask that you would um, uh, continue with us, and hopefully as we get back uh, with our meeting here shortly, you can be present in our auditorium with our families then, and we'll see you then. But for right now, we want to do some singing. Uh, Laura and Leah Holland are going to uh, lead us again. Standing on the promises and uh, great is thy faithfulness. Then Laura Holland has a special for us for Mother's Day entitled A Vision of a Mother's Heart. After she gets through singing, I'll be back with you with the special Mother's Day message. See you then.
That was some good singing. Thank you so much for joining us with that and for that special, Laura. We appreciate it. Right now, I'd like to look into our message this morning and start out by telling you something I came across. A young minister was losing his congregation to sleep during a rather dry sermon. To revive the sleeping flock, he said, I lived with a woman for 17 years who was not my wife. The crowd quickly woke up. He then said, it was my mother. A visiting minister was amused by the tactic and planned to try it on his own congregation when he returned from vacation. On the first Sunday back into the pulpit, he opened with the same line that he heard the other minister use. 
He said, for 17 years, I lived with a woman who was not my wife. He then hesitated with the punchline as uh, his mind went blank. Finally, after an awkward silence, he confessed, for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. <laughs> well, uh, that might have been a little uncomfortable uh, in communicating that, but at the same time, we know exactly uh, the truth of it. Each one of us lived with our moms for some time. I lived with mine at least for 17 years. I went off to college, uh, got married, and uh, as I look back and here just in a couple of weeks, May 22nd, Vicki and I will celebrate 43 years of being married. That's over twice as long as I've, I've lived with Vicki as I did with my mom, with my parents. And praise the Lord for the time that we've had together. Not only um, have I had the opportunity to, to honor my mom on Mother's Day for many years, but also I've had the op opportunity and privilege of honoring the mother of my children. And I appreciate her so much. You know, that's what Mother's Day is all about. It's about us children recognizing, acknowledging the importance of, and thanking our mothers for all of the sacrifices that they made and do make, and showing appreciation and love for how much we, we think of them. And it's for us dads, as we think about and honor and appreciate our wife, who is the mother of our children. And that ought to be part of Mother's Day as we celebrate today. That's what Mother's Day is all about. Children recognizing, honoring, and appreciating their mothers as well as dads. Mother's Day is a time to think on the role of mothers. It's a time to reflect on the influence of mothers. Uh, it's a time to compliment and love and uh, their faithfulness uh, of the mothers. And it is also a time to be reminded of the importance of mothers and to be reminded of our responsibility to honor them as children. A mother's responsibility is awesome. It's tremendous. Therefore, it must be approached with prayer. I came across a little prayer for moms that I'd like to read to you. It's very short. It says, Lord, please hear a mother's prayer and keep my family in your care. Help me know what I can do to guard and guide them all life through. Most of all, please let me be a blessing to my family. A gentle word, a caring friend, a source of love that has no end. What a precious words these are and thoughts about the mother's love. And while much could be said in describing a mother... I want us to take time today to look at what God desires of mothers. And frankly, uh, this message is also applicable to every one of us as believers. But God desires the same things of each one of us. But I want us to see, and I've entitled the message this morning, A Mom God Desires. Father, I pray that you would help me to be able to share very clearly the message that you've laid upon my heart. Help me, Lord, to be able to uh, communicate it in such a way that it would be understood, that you, through your word and through your Holy Spirit, could take this message and have us, Lord, not only listen and hear it, but to evaluate uh, our lives to see if there's any area of our life that needs to be adjusted to be more pleasing to you and the expectation that you have of us. Thank you, and I ask your Spirit's blessing as we continue. In Jesus' name I ask. 
Amen. I want us to see several things that God desires for moms, for each one of us. The first one, and by the way, I'm going to have a lot of scripture passages that I'll be sharing, and they'll be coming at you very quickly. So you might want to either jot them down, get your pen ready, or you can pause the video and and look it up or write it down. But uh, certainly keep up with these. But the first one is God desires for moms to be have a clean conscience, a clean conscience. Now, what is a conscience? Well, a conscience is that which which is within us that confirms when we do something that is good and right, and it condemns us if we do something that is wrong. An active active conscience, a properly active conscience, is one that works in that way. And moms are to have a clean conscience. A conscience, first of all, that is uh, cleansed, I will call it, not defiled. Uh, Hebrews 9.14 says, uh, How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, when it speaks about our conscience being purged with the blood of Jesus Christ, it's talking about salvation. I think at salvation, when we get saved, God resets, if you will, our, our conscience. God places it in, uh, in a purity, and it begins working with us. And it begins to, uh, to confirm and to condemn as it should. So, first of all, I would say that a good mom, a mom that God desires, is one that is saved. A person that God desires is one that is saved. God is not willing that any should perish in hell, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everyone to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's why this is the first step. This is the first requirement or the first desire. A conscience that is cleansed. Secondly, in a clean conscience, he wants a conscience that is good. In Hebrews 13 and verse 18, the author says, Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience in all things. A good conscience is one, as we mentioned a while ago, that is properly working. Uh, it is uh, working in the way that it should. We can, God says, sear our conscience where it loses its feelings. It loses its ability to communicate to us right and wrong. For instance... When a person does something wrong and their conscience bothers them and they know, they feel that, you know, that I shouldn't have done that. But if they keep pushing it aside and not listening to their conscience, not listening to God's promptings and ignore that before long, their conscience will become seared, God says, and it will become unsensitive in that area and it won't bother them anymore. Now, it's still, their action is still just as wrong, but the conscience no longer works properly. It has been seared. So she needs a conscience that is good, a conscience that is properly working, responsive, uh, and active in their life. And also with a clean conscience, we need a conscience that is clear. A conscience that is clear. Acts 24.16, the Apostle Paul wrote, says, I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Um. In other words, there is no outstanding sin in my life that uh, my conscience should be bothering me about. Uh, I exercise myself to have a clear conscience toward God. There's nothing that I that I've done toward Him 
or to anybody else. I don't feel bad about the way I have, I have acted, the things I've said, etc. All of those things, if I've done correctly, will give me a clear conscience. So number one, mom, and all of us, God desires a clean conscience. Number two, God desires, I believe, a clean mouth. Uh, a clean mouth, three things it would involve. Number one, a mouth free from gossip. First Timothy 5.13 says, And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers, and also busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Gossips are tattlers. They are busybodies in other people's affairs. They want to talk about what's going on secretively, of course, in the lives of others. Have you heard? Do you know what they're doing? Uh, they can't wait to talk about those type things. That's the gossip. Uh, you know, one of the seven great sins that are mentioned in Proverbs 6, I believe gossip is mentioned there in the form that he that soweth discord amongst the brethren. Gossip does exactly that. It causes problems within people as they find out that you're talking behind their back and what you really think of them. I often wonder when I hear somebody gossip, I wonder after they leave, uh, I wonder what they say about me behind my back. Because that's what a gossip does. It doesn't matter about who it is. They just can't control their tongue. They've got to tell it. The second thing then that leads to is a clean mouth is a mouth with clean speech. Clean speech. Speech I would call beneficial speech. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In other words, that's the unclean speech, the bad speech. Um, but only let that which is good to the use of edifying. The word edifying, edifice is a building. Edify means to build up, to encourage, to benefit. And so we're to speak words that are good to use to build up or to benefit others, that it may minister grace to the hearers, it goes on to say. Grace means something good that we receive that we do not deserve. You know that we are to speak to others in such a way that it benefits them even if they don't even deserve it. Uh, we are to speak to others that way, a mouth with clean speech. In a mouth that is free from gossip, in a mouth that has clean speech, must be a mouth that is controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. James tells us that the tongue is an unruly uh, member of our body. It cannot be tamed. And so we need the Holy Spirit's help not to do the things or say the things that uh, that comes to our mind and to say the things that are beneficial to others even if they don't deserve it. Proverbs 34:13 says, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile or deceit, from lying. We are to seek to keep our tongue, to guard our tongue, to control our tongue, the words that we say and how we say it, that we do not speak in an evil way, we do not speak any lies, but we speak the truth, and we speak the truth in love, in a loving way, to benefit. Again, Paul uses the word that it may minister grace to the hearers. And in Psalm 141, 3, 
A prayer here we may say unto the Lord, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Set a guard, Lord, to watch what I say, to guard how I say it, that I may be not guilty of evil speech, not guilty of gossip, but that I may be speaking beneficial words to help, to encourage others. This little saying I came across, it says, If your lips would keep from slips, five things observe with care. Of whom you speak, to whom you speak, and how, and when, and where. We ought to be careful about to whom we speak, and of whom we speak. And we ought to be careful about how we speak, when we speak, and where we speak. We are to guard our mouth, and we need the Holy Spirit's help for that. A clean mouth, God desires. Thirdly, moms, God desires a clean body. Now, I'm not talking about personal hygiene, even though that is important. But here I'm talking about a body pure before God and others. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, God says, May the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Sanctify, set you apart, <clears throat> holy with a W, completely. He says, I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body, your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is sharing what God laid upon his heart and directed him to that he reminds us that God is concerned not just with our heart being right with him, but he wants every part of our body to be right with him. He wants every part of us <clears throat> to be doing that which is good in the eyes, his eyes as well as in the eyes of others. Now God can see very well. He sees our heart. People only see what the outside looks like. People only see our actions. People only see our reactions. So we're talking about here a body pure before God and others, a body that by its actions and reactions has the testimony in the eyes of others that we are God's people seeking to please God by being and doing what he desires. Is that your testimony, mom, dad, children? Each one of us needs that kind of a testimony, a clean body, a pure body before God and others. Secondly, a clean body would be a body surrendered on a daily basis. Jesus said in Luke 9 and verse 23, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. To take up our cross Cross-bearing has to do with dying, dying to ourself and surrendering to what God would desire. We need to understand that we need that kind of surrender in our life. And he says that uh, we're to take up our cross on a daily basis. We're to render our bodies unto the Lord on a daily basis, surrendering unto him. So a clean body before God is a testimony and one that is surrendered to him on a daily basis. Don't let sin build up in your life. But surrender, take care of it, 
and live for the Lord every day as he desires. And then there is a clean association. Mom, God wants a clean association. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, your association should be with the people of God. Hebrews 11.25, it says of, of Moses uh, that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for season. You remember the story of Moses' life, how that when he was born, Pharaoh in Egypt uh, uh, was in control, and he did not want the Hebrew slaves to outnumber the people of Egypt, so he ordered the killing of all the male children that would be born. <clears throat> Moses' mother hid him as long as she could, and then for fear that he would be found and slaughtered, she put him into a basket into the bulrushes there of the Nile River. And we find that God was in control and had the Pharaoh's daughter come down with her maidens and was going to wash at the river. And they found the baby in the basket and Pharaoh's daughter fell in love. And she wanted to raise this child and Pharaoh allowed. And so Moses was raised in Pharaoh's home with all that it afforded. And when he got to be a man, he knew who he was as a Hebrew child, a Jew. But he also knew that he had the choice that he could remain in Pharaoh's house, and he had to choose between the two. And, of course, Hebrews 11 records for us how he made that choice. He chose their affliction, the difficulty of living as a Jew, and what that may mean in dying as a Jew, uh, over living with all the world had to offer in Pharaoh's house. And he did so in such a wise way that God included it that by faith he made the choice. And faith came in because he looked ahead and he saw that living with the Jews now may be hard and difficult with affliction. But what it has to promise and to offer for the future is way more than what the world and all of Pharaoh's gold had to offer. Pleasure, but just for a short period of time. And so... We are to choose to have association with the people of God, even though it may be more difficult in some regards. But we're to choose that as God sees fit and it pleases Him. And in Psalm 119, verse 69, it kind of narrows it down a little bit more than just the people of God, because there are many people that claim to be Christians that we could say that we are associating with. But these Christians need to be people that are committed to the Lord themselves. In Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Here it is an association with those that fear God and obey him. Those that have a desire to please the Lord and to do those things that they know pleases him. And so we have a little more narrow of an effect here that we're to choose to be with the people of God that are serious about pleasing God. And our association was to be with those who are wise. I believe those that, that obey the Lord and fear him are wise. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. We each have responsibility or opportunity to choose who we have as close companions, associations. There's nothing wrong with having a friend that is lost in this world. 
We're to seek to win them. But our close companions, those that we spend most of our time with, those that have the opportunity to affect us the most, should not only be God's people, a Christian, but should be one that is wise, one that does fear the Lord and seek to obey Him. And I hope that you are seeking to make those kind of people the people that you have as close companions. Whether you're a mom, a dad, whether you're young people, make the choice of those that are going to affect you in a positive way and not lead you into the wrong way. And then not only a clean association, but we're to have, and mom, you need a clean path, a clean path to follow, a path revealed by the Lord himself. The book of Psalms tells us that God will guide us with his counsel. He says he will lead us in the path of righteousness, Psalm 23. God wants to guide us and lead us in that way, and we ought to follow. We are the sheep of the Lord's. He is our shepherd, and we, sheep, are to be following our shepherd. And I pray that that would be your testimony as well. A path lighted specifically by God's word. Psalm 119, 105, you're familiar with. Thy word is a, a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. God's word lights up the next step that we're to take in following the Lord, and we're to take it by faith. Step out and believe God and follow him. And then there's this path, clean path, that we're following the Lord as he guides us, and specifically as he guides us in his word. We are to have a path that is visible to others. Matthew five sixteen. let your light so shine before men. Let your light, your actions and reactions be so visible before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's exactly what God wants from each one of us. Moms, do you have a life that is following the Lord, what he says in his word, in such a way that your children and others can see you following the Lord in, in that path that he has directed? We're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. In all of our ways, we're to acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. God wants and does give the guidance. We must surrender to the following of it. And I pray that we would do so to the extent that others could see us and follow that truth. Uh, the most important people that will see your example to follow will be your children, Mom. Your children need to see a clean path. We're to walk in such a clear way that they would not be confused. Show your children God's truth. Not just where they can find it in the Word of God. That's important. But show them how it is lived out in this world. In application then, as we look back at what God desires, a clean conscience, one that's saved, one that is working properly, a clean mouth, one that is speaking those beneficial things to help others because it's controlled by the Word of God, excuse me, by the Spirit of God, a clean body that is pure, that is following the Lord, uh, that is blameless, a good testimony before others, 
one that's surrendered on a daily basis to what God desires, clean association uh, with the wise people that are seeking to be obedient unto the Lord and to fear Him, and with a clean path that we're following that God has directed and that others are watching. If these characteristics are in your life, I believe that you're doing a great job of pleasing the Lord in a life that he would be uh, able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if these things are not in your life, I pray that you would look into yourself right now and say, Lord, you've opened my eyes to a few things. I know that I'm not perfect. But Lord, I want to be pressing toward that mark of what you have shown me today. Help me to lean upon you in that direction. Um, you've listened. You've heard. I pray now that you would evaluate and you would make those adjustments that are necessary in your life. I want to close with a prayer that I came across. It's entitled, A Mother's Creed. And it reads, Lord, who am I to teach the way to little children day by day, so prone myself to go astray? I teach them knowledge, but I know how faint they flicker and how low the candles of my knowledge grow, glow, excuse me. I teach them power to will and do, but only now to learn anew my own great weaknesses through and through. Lord, if their guide I still must be, oh, let my little children see their mother leaning hard on thee. I think that this characteristic of leaning hard on the Lord and seeking to follow him is probably the greatest of the characteristics that we've seen today. That characteristic alone will hide a multitude of weaknesses. We need to just seek the Lord and seek to follow him, surrendering totally to what he wants. And God will be praised. Thank you so much for joining us today. May God bless you and give you a wonderful Mother's Day with your family. Until next time.